my name's Lorraine Marshall, and this is a podcast, Mindset, Money, Success. And today I have Angela Ward. Hello, Angela. Hello there. How are you? I'm fine, and you? Very well, thank you very much. Um, even though I'm a bit jealous that it's nice and sunny in Spain and it's absolutely awful here in the UK, but yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> okay. So, you um, have you got any stories in your background about success that you've had and failures that you've had, just so that we can give an example of what can happen? Yeah. When you're not yeah. Yeah. So success is, I mean, okay, so I've had a few quite magnificent successes, really. Um, I would say that I, I don't want to go into too much detail about it, so I'll try and be a little bit broad because there's so I've done so much, to be honest, okay. um, and I shock myself sometimes of how much I've actually achieved, to be fair, considering some of the adversity that I've had to deal with. Yeah. Um, so I built a six-figure company, consultancy company, um, back in 2013 and that was working in health health care and adult social care and um that that was quite a big thing for me i had to go off and get a master's degree at a, an older age and all the rest yeah. of it so i'm 55 now but i was so what about 10 years ago so i was in my late 40s when when i took on this master's degree and i was also at that time i was working so i came from nowhere from the nhs i kind of i used to work in the private sector and by fluke i got this job um just a temporary position working in one of the local authorities and it was working with gps and i loved it i was like, oh this is just and we was looking at designing services and also and i loved it i was like oh this is what i want to do i really want to do this and um so, but just by fluke, I ended up in the NHS, took it that bit further, got myself some master's degree, went, sat on the board, sat on a board level in the NHS, which was um, eye-opening. Um, and and then I left and went back in as a consultant. And I did that quite successfully until about four years ago, yeah. um, where I changed direction. I changed direction um, to do some other stuff, but I, I did some fantastic work there, which I would see was successful in so much as it was really providing real good, decent patient care, mm. you know, which is what it needs. It's, it, it needs to come away from all that politics and go back into the patients. Yeah. Um, but that was driven not necessarily by something that I was good at or wanted to do per se, it goes it was driven by my upbringing yeah right so i was always told in the family there's four of us four i've got four girls in the four girls so there's three sisters i'm kind of in the middle and i was always told by the family that i was the brainy one so i just excelled in that area so my mindset was, well, I'm the brainy one. And it didn't matter how hard it was because it was so hard because yeah. I'm not the brainy one, right? <laughs> but I was told I was the brainy one. So I excelled and I did have a bit of a rebellion going on in my teenage years. I was entered for all these O-levels because it used to be O-levels then, right? Mm -hmm. I was entered for all these O-levels and I rebelled. I said, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. So I didn't do it. <laughs> And I ended up in a bit of state because I ended up then being a single parent at the age of 19 with no prospects. So I had to turn that around. 
And this brainy thing didn't really trigger again until I went for a job at the local authority and they said I needed four O-levels to do an admin job. Yes. And I was like, really? But it triggered me, you see. It triggered me. So it triggered me in two ways. First of all, I was saying, you will not pigeonhole me, right? And what you what you watch because O levels to do admin, you wait and see what I'm gonna do with my life. Yeah. And I used that anger to and and turned it around and that frustration and turned it around, used it as fuel mm -hmm. and just went and off I went. That's like good. that I was. <laughs> That's good. So you've got a tunnel vision down to this thing, focused clarity. Yes. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Good. And I also refused to be pigeonholed as being a 19-year-old girl, because I was still a child, really. We think we're all grown up, don't we? But we're not, no. right? With a child on benefits, and I was not going to be pigeonholed as that. Because back then, we're talking 30-odd years ago now. Yeah. So I'm 55 now, so 30-odd years ago now. Yeah. Back then... It was kind of like the thing to do was, you, you know, young girls were getting pregnant. This is the stigma. It was a stigma. I'm not saying that this is what they were doing, but it was a stigma, right? Yeah. Getting pregnant um, and getting a council house. And, of course, I did those things. I got pregnant. Council house, half the benefits. I did it, right? But I didn't do it. I did it because I was – the problem was I was in a domestic violently relationship at the time. So I had to step out of that, you know, out of that and, and, yeah. and go on on my own with my unborn child. Yeah. Um, but I refused to be pigeonholed and it just really fueled me and that fueled me. Mm -hmm. But then later on, as I, you know, continued on that on that way, there was also other things that were fueling me that I didn't know were happening at the time. And that was to do with my family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was brought up in a very narcissistic family and I wasn't aware of it at the time because I was in it. Mm. And consequently, what happened is I took on this role, which I wasn't aware of, right, until this has only really landed with me the past four years or so, I think, and then I've written about it. But okay. I took on this role. I was the hero, Right. So I was a, some, from a working class family, working class backgrounds, brought up on a council estate. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. All right. But what we did have is we had um, and it came more to fruition when my mum passed in 2005. Right. My eldest sister took on this control role and I didn't realise she'd been doing it previously, though. Mm -hmm. Right. But it, was, it became more apparent now. And she started to meddle in things and, and it was all to do with her having control over people. So consequently what happened is people started to shift in their roles within the family. So she's become the narcissistic lead, if you like, mm -hmm. where you normally get a narcissistic parent. She's become the narcissistic sibling. And then we've got other roles being sort of, you know, formed in that way. And I, I was classed as what they term the hero. And the hero is the person that goes out and excels 
at everything and becomes really successful at everything because why they do it is so that the world doesn't see what's going on in the family. Yeah. Right? They step out and they say, well, this is it's all for the family. It's the family, protecting the family. But you don't really know you're doing it. Because the dynamics are so messed up that you just naturally fall into one of these roles. Or you may be the scapegoat, right, where everything's your fault and you get kicked out. Mm. Yeah, or you may be the golden child where you are then manipulated and um, groomed, if you like, in a way where you, as the golden child, have now learnt these um behaviors if you like and then use that as a way to deflect away from the person that is the narcissist and will defend them and do things to sort of take the angle away it's very very interesting yeah so how where have you been able to gain this in knowledge that you've got there through healing okay through healing obviously research obviously that you know you research it but i do, I've, I, I work with um i do a lot of inner work and i do that with um when i say inner work i mean it's, it's like a self-inquiry mm-hmm. um it's sort of on the spiritual side self-inquiry you know where where am i why am i here what did i do what did i do to get here how did i contribute to all of that and you have to sit from the self-inquiry and go through and work out this stuff because there was lots of things that I didn't understand at the time, like this narcissistic family dynamic. Yeah. The narcissistic family dynamic, they don't support each other in a healthy way, right? But what you see is you see them supporting the outsiders and you think, why? Why is that friend of yours so much more important than me kind of thing but you don't understand it but what it does is it chips away at you it chips away and it chips away at your confidence and it chips away at your self-esteem but i was the hero so i was all right because i could put my mask on and step into the boardroom right so i was a very harsh person for that because no one was getting close to me yeah because the people that was I felt were supposed to support and love me didn't. So if so, my family are not doing it. So you pushed them away in order to like then do what you wanted to do. Because if they were still in your life, then you felt that you wouldn't be able to do what you wanted to do. Is that right? I, I did take a big step back from the family. I took a step back because, um, you know, I, I just felt, I just didn't feel like I fitted in there. I didn't know why all this, I was thinking all this at the time, but I just didn't feel like I was part of that fold. It was just such an odd, it was just really odd. Um, And some, you know, other stuff's happened outside of that. And then I became scapegoat, right? I won't go into the details because it's it's irrelevant, but I then became the scapegoat. And then it's like, well, hang on a second. How did I get here? (laughs) And I had massive changes going on in my own life. I'd left London. Um, I moved out, you know, sort of 70 miles away from everything I'd known, changing up my life, changing up what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I'm a scapegoat as well. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> it's not a really good place to be, really, is it? 
It wasn't a good place to be. No, it wasn't a good place to be, Lorraine, at all. Mm -hmm. However, this is where the self-inquiry came in, just going back to the healing work and the self-inquiry, because we do have to take responsibility for our own life, right, and how we live our life and what we allow into our life. And I know that sounds like I'm being a little bit blasé, and I'm not, I promise you, because it's it's very difficult, and I'm not suggesting it's not difficult to walk away or to detach your energetic sort of um, cords from people, especially people you love dearly. It's very, very hard thing to do. But in the long term, in the long term, you know that actually it's going to be more beneficial for you to be out of that. In the short term, it's going to hurt you to do it. But if you stay there in the long term, it's going to continuously hurt you. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like better off to do that really uncomfortable, horrible piece of disconnecting, but understanding why. You must understand why and you must understand what part you played because we do play parts. We do play parts. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that part could literally just be allowing it to continue. Yeah, I think that's where I've learned repeating the same mistakes of the past type of thing. Yeah, it's it's difficult. But coming from a narcissistic family dynamic as well, you tend to then attract narcissists into your life. Yeah. Right? And I ended up in a couple of narcissistic relationships mm-hmm. as well. So not only is it going on in the family, I've now got it in my personal life. Um and it is really difficult. It's so hard. You know, you know in your heart that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know in your heart that it's wrong. But if you deeply love someone, again, it goes back to that. If they, if it's hard to communicate as well because they will gaslight you, they will blame you, they will twist it round. It's all your fault. You're the one that's going mad. Yeah, all of that, and. Just And you do sometimes feel like you've lost the plot. Mm-hmm. You feel like you've lost the plot. And you to, to get out of that, the inner strength you need to find because you know you've got to put yourself first. And that's the bit, isn't it? Because they take all that away from you. True. That's true. And I know we allow it because we do to a certain extent because we're in it. But it's, it's, the, it's the entanglement of it all. You've got to untangle yourself. So get yourself to that point to go, no, I really do know that this isn't correct. I know this is not, I don't want this for my life. I don't deserve this in my life. I deserve to be loved and nurtured and looked after and cared for. Do you think a lot and then that don't realise that in that relationship, that in like the narcissistic relationship, I've spoken to a lot of women online who like say, well, I didn't even understand it until after it ended, the relationship had ended. And then they're seeing this, the mask fall off and all the anger and the, everything in the, that relationship. And they had, had ignored little things that had happened through the relationship. So have you come across that yourself? Well, you do ignore it because you're told that you need to um, cooperate. You're told that you need to compromise in a relationship. So you compromise. But at what end do you keep compromising? So it's all about your own personal boundaries and it's your own personal standards, isn't it? But if you've got a narcissistic partner, 
continuously drumming it into you that no one wants to be with you, you should be lucky you're even with me. Yes. And because that's the I've kind of that stuff before. that comes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you tend to believe it. The more you hear something said, the more you tend to believe it. And because they isolate you, mm-hmm. that's all you've got in your ear. Right? So you go to work, you don't want to tell no one because you feel ashamed. You actually do feel ashamed. Yeah. Of what it is you're going through because you know it's not right. You know it's not right. So you don't want to go and talk to someone because they'll just be all blase about it. We'll leave him then. But we know it ain't that simple. <laughs> it's not that simple. Yeah. If it was, everybody would just be, yeah, it's great. Bye. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it, it really doesn't. But actually, stating that now, though, now I'm in this stage of my life. I'm single now. But now I'm in this stage of my life. If I have, if I meet someone and I have any hint that it's not, that person is not, it's nothing to do with that person's good or bad. I just want to put that out there. But if that person is is not going to kind of live a life that's aligned to how I want to live mine, then I'm out. And there's no, there's, and I'm out just like that. And I'll tell them, I'm not Robert, I'll say, you know, I, I don't, we're not compatible. Yeah. You know, where when I was involved in those relationships, I was a lot younger. I was quite vulnerable. I was in that, you know, my my family unit wasn't, you know, protective and supportive anyway. And I'm not saying they're bad people either, Lorraine. It's just it's just the way my family unit was, right? They're wired up from their childhood, probably, because I think absolutely, absolutely, childhood trauma into the next generation, and I think that's the continuing cycle um, of how it happened. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I'm not saying that they're bad or anything like that. It is just what it is, but it's not how I want, you know, it's not how I see family units should be. Um, And, you know, and that's why, you know, I say the things I say, but I've forgotten where I was going with that now. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So, so when, when you're younger and you're vulnerable, so you're in that sort of, you know, that sort of dysfunctional family, you're vulnerable anyway single parent you just want to be loved really oh and see i had the ad added bit that i was the middle child so i had middle child syndrome going on <laughs> so when you weigh all of that up yeah and then someone's giving you attention you're just gonna take it aren't you right yeah, i guess and then you find yourself in this hang on a minute i've just attracted a nutter you know it's like how do you get out of that now <laughs> Because of the neediness that you don't actually realise, because you're not, I'm in a different mindset now, obviously, but then you don't realise what it is you're attracting in because you don't appreciate or understand fully the effect that those things have had on you because you don't have the right awareness and consciousness to be able to see it. Yes. I understand that situation myself, I think, because you don't see when you've been in a traumatised childhood and you feel as if you've been, you might have been neglected or like there's been some dynamic with alcoholism or family abuse or something within a family. You don't really connect all the dots until much later. Exactly, because at the time you're in it, to you, that is normal. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, it's perceived as normal because it's your family dynamic. That's right. Yeah, 
And when you come out of that, and you, well, I mean, even though you may have twinges of like, is this is this right? It must be. It's my family. It's kind of like you kind of do that, don't you? Yeah. Um, and then, and it's only when you start to really think about it, or you see someone else's family that don't function like that, you think, oh, that's different. They don't do that, or they don't do that, or you know, if you've got a reference like that, not to say that the somebody else's family is better or worse, but There'll just be things that you see that you just think, hmm, that's interesting. And it sparks a curiosity. Well, for some it does. For some it doesn't. For some are just oblivious to it and will continue, you know, in, in that dynamic because that's they, they haven't learned anything from that yet, you know. Um, it's kind of like the way that is. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it fascinates. You've them. obviously done a lot of research. Did you say that you've actually written a book? I have. What's the title? I have. Of it's called. Oh no! You put me on the spot. Oh, it's yeah. called navigating narcissistic family dynamics: your path to healing and empowerment. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So it talks about some. Like, it talks about. It's nothing to do with my family or anything like that. It literally is about, well, what is a narcissistic family? What is, how do you know you're in one? Mm -hmm. So it will talk about the signs that you can look for. It will talk about the roles that I was talking about just a little while ago, wasn't I? Some of the roles that you might play and how to distinguish, well, what role are you playing? And so it gives you that awareness. Mm -hmm. And then it will give you, it gives you some hints and tips of um, maybe how you can sort of, deal with those situations without necessarily having to step completely out. Um, You know, maybe how to develop some of your communication or how to build some resilience for yourself or um, how to spot the signs that you're being manipulated within your family, things like that. Um, So it's more of a, it's more of a book to to give awareness, um, um, highlight, you know, that this, this is, this is real. It happens, like, like, and it's the red flags that in the, and the different aspects of the narcissism. There's different levels, there's different traits, and there's different types. So, yes, but your book would then show you what to look out for, and then the empowerment part, the mindset. Yes, yeah, exactly. Is how how you can become empowered and how you can heal because it does it 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 really it does, does mess with your self esteem. It does destroy people. It can destroy people. Yes. It can. It knocks your confidence. It knocks your self-esteem to such an extent that you have a very low opinion of yourself and you don't even realise you're doing it. That's the thing. It's all ingrained in that. It's all that entanglement. And, you know, and and then you develop this lack of self-love. So then if you've got a lack of self-love, your standard of living, of how you want to live your life drops and that's when you start allowing all these things in and then you've got no boundaries and it's it's all of that you know it really can and it really does affect people mm-hmm. and it's something um not just for families but also for when you when when you're in a narcissistic sort of relationship we need to talk about this stuff yeah. you know yeah. i've found that quite often it gets talked about in um the abuse dynamic and groups in private and so there's like a lot of people who will find videos or find um, platforms like twitter where they they connect with people who are in the same situation and so 
when people are talking about it, they're only talking about that subject to the same people who've been through that experience. And it doesn't get publicized very often to the general media and public. And so it doesn't get past the people who have been in the dynamic. And I think there's a lot of professionals out there, social services, police, justice, you know, lawyers, who sometimes don't even understand that dynamic and how it operates and how it works. Um, yeah. Come across that yourself? Well, understanding the dynamics from a professional perspective, I, um, not necessarily because I haven't really got involved in that, uh, uh, just to be quite honest about it, but I could see where it goes back to what I said about you think it's normal. Mm -hmm. If you think it's normal, someone else might be in the same situation who is a copper who thinks it's normal because that's what they know. So they're not necessarily going to spot it as being what it is. Um, however, when I liked the point you made about, um, you know, when people come together to talk about their abuse or, or, or whatever you want to call it, term it to be, or their trauma um, by being in this type of situation. I have been reflecting on this a lot because it was something why I kind of like, I, I wrote the book, I started to promote the book, and then I thought, mm, I don't know if I want to keep talking about this in that way because you know what marketing's like? It's all about pain points. You've got to find their pain points, and that will pull them in to buy your book. I didn't want to talk about that yeah. because what I was finding, that it was pulling me down. Mm -hmm. So to go in and talk about, the, the real horrible side of what happens to you. And I know people, it will draw people in to maybe then buy the book and then go through the process and want to be empowered. But it actually started to really pull me down because the energy of it is quite low frequency and quite a low vibration. Yeah, and right. it's, it's, you know, if you think about the trauma in your body it's gonna it's gonna trigger isn't it mm -hmm. and all you're doing i think a lot of the time and you have to be careful there is a fine line i'm sure because I, I you know people like to talk about their experience for sure right because they feel if they can talk to somebody else then they feel a connection and that's good and then they feel like they belong in a bit of a community and that's good that's all a good thing but what happens is they talk themselves to death ordinarily and they're just constantly triggering this whole thing that's happening to them or happened to them. And they are embodying it even more as part of their identity. And they just become the person who was abused as opposed to, I'm Angela. I was in a narcissistic family dynamic. Yes, it was not good. However, I don't associate myself with that. That's not my identity. And it's about making sure it doesn't become your identity. Yeah, I've seen that sort of situation, what you're talking about, because I see some people who have been through it just want to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it all the way through without thinking, well, you know, I want to step up a level. I want to step up another level. I think that's what you're, you're hitting at here because it is difficult to, once you start into that little cycle of going along on it, on, the narcissistic abuse thing, I think you need to be able to take a step back and then maybe look at the next level and what you can do to change. Absolutely, 100%, 100%, because, you know, all that's doing is validating. It, it, it validates an identity mm -hmm. and it, it's a label. 
so you're you're validating a label and an identity where no one really wants to be that identity no one wants to go through that kind of upset and trauma and um you know in their lives no one wants it no. so why keep living in it you know and i know you've got to go through a process of just understanding it in the first place like oh god all this has happened oh and then you might want to talk about that but it is then that empowerment part mm-hmm. like you said how can i then take this to the next level so i can start feeling better in myself so i can work on my self-esteem so i can start bringing some self-love and gratitude to me because i got through that and i'm still standing yes, you know that's important. and yeah and how can i appreciate myself more for for doing that in the first place you know so it's my my that's my stance on it it's, it's how do you bring people from that space where you've got to be in that space for a bit without a shadow of a doubt, Lorraine, you've, you've got to, because it's like a, it's, it's a process you go through, right? You've got to sit with but, it. I've heard, I've heard it said that you've got to sit with it for a while to get through that thing. And then once you've processed all of that, then, then that's when you can move forward with. Absolutely. So you sit with it so that you can get the understanding and the awareness. That's what you're sitting with. Mm-hmm. Right. And the clarity. Mm-hmm. And then it's the, now what can I do? What do I need for me to make, you know, to take me to the next level, to give me that bit of whatever it was I didn't have there just to make me feel better about me? Mm -hmm. Because it has to come back to you because no one can make you feel better. No one can give you anything. It has to come back to you. And it was like what I was saying right at the beginning, you have to take responsibility, you know. It It is what it is. It is that. And it is... We need to talk more about the empowerment yes. to bring people out of that state, that mindset, mm. that energetic um, stagnation. And stuff Because the, the, yeah. the fear, the uncertainty keeps people stuck quite a lot. And that's the low vibrational stuff. And all you need to get, because anger is actually a higher vibration than the sadness and grief and all of this. So once you can get past the anger and higher, then that's when I think you can start to move forward and change things. Yeah, well, yeah, you need to flip the anger around to turn it into love, really, don't you? That's what you need to do. It's it's about how do I change that? How do I change that energy? How do I change that feeling? How do I stop feeling angry all the time? Yeah. You know? Because it's it's it it was done, you know. You feel like it's all been done to you. You feel that you do feel all those things. I'm not saying, of course you do, but it's how do you then turn that around? How do you forgive? Hmm. How do you forgive yourself? It's one of the things that divisive, so divisive, because you've got so many people on like, I will never forgive. Then you've got the other side, and it's like. I'm forgiven. I can forgive. I can, you know, I forgive because I want to forgive myself for what I put myself through. And then you've you've, you've got two sides fighting each other. No, you can't do that. I've seen it all over the social media platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's 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 kind of like the thing about this forgiveness and not doing the forgiveness. And it took me a while to get my head around this because you know you hear words or you read words and you go. You do, you do it, right? You've, it's got to land in you, hasn't it, when you're yes. ready to receive, right? And the thing about forgiveness is like what, what held it for me was is they don't even need to know 
That's they true. don't even need to know that it's you're forgiving true. them because it's not about them. And when you don't forgive these people, whoever they are, right, all you're doing is you're giving them the control over you still because you're allowing that to control your life. But they don't care because they're walking around doing what they want, living their life happy and jolly or whatever it is they're doing. They don't care how you're feeling. Mm. So if you don't do that forgiveness piece, you are forever being controlled by individuals that are not even in your life anymore. Yeah, I can see where that's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, 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 you've got it in your mindset that you've practiced this forgiveness, you've done a lot of like the self-exploring of what's happened, then you might feel more at peace with what's going on. And that person who was trying to destroy you as a person, then they don't have that effect. They won't have any effect because you're now at peace. Does yeah. that is that how it sort of feels and how it works? Yeah, there is there is a peace element to it. There's more. It's it's about acceptance because mm. you've got to accept it happened. You can't deny it, right? Mm. That's, that's true. <laughs> you have to accept it. It's part of the whole. Yeah, it's part of the it's part of the whole process. Well. Yeah. You have to accept that you are where you are. You have to accept that actually you can't control how, how other people treat you, but you can control how you react or whether you even be around those individuals. That yeah. bit you can control. So there's lots of little acceptances like that that That's you you know important. that you go through as part of the process. Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. Um and it's only when and, and then you will get a sense of peace. And don't get me wrong, now and again, it does time takes care of everything. That was a saying that um you know, I heard a long time ago, but there's gonna there there will always be points as you are developing, as you're coming out of that. Yeah, there's gonna be points where you drop and you dip. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be them points because some doubt might come in. It's like, oh, hang on a minute, you know, or something else might trigger you, and you think, oh, I'm still not love. You know, no one loves me still, or whatever it might be. You know, I'm just being pedantic. Sorry, um, <laughs> but um. But things will trigger you and it may still trigger part of the attachment to that because you haven't quite still got it, you know. So it is a bit of a as continual you, thing. As you're processing everything, so you're not on one level. You just can go up a bit, down a bit, up a bit, down Yeah, a bit. yeah, and it absolutely. From a professional point, viewpoint of the person looking in at you, then, oh, they're crazy or, you know, this is like bipolar and the, and you get – you can get labelled, right, by what's happened to you, which is, you know, which isn't wasn't your fault of what happened to you, but other people looking in think, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, see, and I'm a big advocate of um, not using professionals where I – I mean, I didn't use any professionals. I did all, the, all my work myself. I'm very much into holistic health. I'm very much into cleansing your mind. Um you know, cleansing your belief systems and doing it for yourself because you can, it's too easy to start taking on other people's beliefs. Yeah. Right. I think that's what you've got to work out, isn't it? It's like, what is your beliefs? What are, what house, what's your strengths? What's your beliefs? And then stick with that and, and work through that. That's, yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Absolutely. And your beliefs can change as the more and more you heal. Mm. The more you grow, the more you heal, your belief system may change. Yeah. Well, you know? 
we've come right to an end here. So we've been really <gasps> this podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh no, Mary, I was really enjoying that. <laughs> I know we might have to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> we should. No, we should. Yeah. So it's been great listening to what you've said because lots of it has resonated with me. So what we'll do is we'll have some chats off off podcast later. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and over the weeks we can form a little bit more of what's going on. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Yeah, no, definitely. That'd be great. Thank you so much. It's been a Thank pleasure you. speaking with you. Yeah. Thanks, Angela. It's been great. All right, take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.